Machute Mate recognizes the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and any indigenous elders of other communities who may be listening today. We stand in solidarity in their struggle towards the colonization and land back. Buenas mi gente, what is good y'all, Machete Mate back after I don't even know how long, I think our last <laughs> drop was um, Austin's interview with the folks of our Red Nation, which is really, really, really dope, um, Tia, you'll agree that like Austin didn't give us anything, um, he's like, oh, you guys will see, you, you guys will really like it, and you know, he wasn't wrong, it was pretty dope, um, there's some key highlights in there um blanca had a really really funny ass moment that i almost freaking pissed myself laughing um but if you haven't checked it out check it out it's really really good conversation they covered things like land back about um i think they touch on latinidad i think but indigeneity across the americas and building a true you know indigenous internationalism which is really really dope which is something that's always fascinated me as well like being in australia seeing that the aboriginal folks here the activists here Everything to do is obviously for Aboriginal rights in Australia, but it's right. always linked to the international struggle. So we covered the um, Aboriginal Tent Embassy way back, and we talked about how like they linked their struggle to the Black Panthers and the American Indian Movement. Right? It's not just a struggle for its you know struggle's sake. Like they understand the internationalist um, character of these things, and it's really interesting when um, a certain cross section of um, the left doesn't see those links or refuses to acknowledge those links but whatever it is it is what it is yeah definitely you know check out that uh interview with um that austin and blanca did uh with red nation um definitely uh shout out much love to blanca who said that um uh she you know she's learned a lot from from us that that was very sweet i've learned a lot from her yeah um if you're listening uh much love to you of course always um I, you know, I think that um, it's it's definitely an important subject, and it goes to show you that politics never really remains uh, in one locale. You know, it, it always uh, events, you know, in one part of the globe will by necessity influence events in another part of the globe. Like that's just the world we live in now, and it's it comes with great uh, promise uh, and great risk, of course. Yeah, of course. And like, I think one of the things that I think we do a pretty good job at, at talking about here is that what we're up against isn't like a series of individual moments or events. We're up against systems. You know what I mean? We're up against like imperialism. Imperialism is a global system that, you know, we do ourselves right, a disservice right. by just focusing it. Like we talk about Puerto Rico a lot because we're Puerto Rican, but like we would do the service to the movement at large if it's just poor, if it ended at Puerto Rico, like it does for a lot of people. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, that's a whole thing. Check it out. Yeah, um, hopefully, know, we can get them. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's one of those things. It's like I mean, it's not even we're not even necessarily up against individual personalities. You know, uh, it's it's like you said, it's systems and the importance of of linking you know the struggles internationally because the system itself is international. You know, you you have to break it everywhere, or exactly. it won't be broken at all. 
Exactly. Exactly right. It's that whole thing that um, what is it? One person in prison means like every we're all in prison. You know, you know that that famous that famous quote that like one person like um that's oppressed like. All of us won't be not oppressed until everyone's unoppressed. You guys, you, you guys know the quote I'm trying to say. Um, basically, <laughs> it's a global system that you, you know what I'm talking about. Um, anyway, check it out. Right. Um, hopefully, we can get them onto our show. That would be really, really dope. Because um, they're yeah. really good people, really good perspective. Um, especially when it comes to like Nick Estes is like you know the indigenous guy you don't want to you know as someone that we go to and like get their pers- his perspective and like you know what i mean um i definitely great you know i definitely draw a lot of inf- like their book that the red nation the organization itself of which he is a part um the book uh you know uh the red deal is is something i would is one i would definitely recommend for everybody um it's good in that it includes everything from uh, from explanation and history of different ideas and concepts to examples of uh, of organizing uh, towards those ideals, as well as policy proposals, uh, so that uh, laws and and not just laws, but something for goals for those movements to work toward uh, to to basically bring those values and make those values uh, present in our world today, and it's. It's definitely interesting. It's part of this this kind of flowering of of literature, both of you know at a popular level, and also of a you know uh, militant level. Yeah. Uh, that's related to ecology and to you know trying to create an economy for everyone that is not built on the backs of the uh, poor and working classes of the global south, um, but also but but one that will allow us to transform the economy in such a way that we can actually have a livable planet exactly and allow us to um live well or as we say in spanish when we read <laughs> that's um, right they, they did touch right. on that a little bit but um definitely all comes back to when we read right um grilling, chilling lifestyle exactly right chilling and grilling <laughs> um but yeah so obviously you've only heard myself and t speaking because um our good friend and co-host or like um Friend of the show, Logan said, um, "Occasional guest host, um, Austin <laughs> was um, <laughs> a weekly, yeah, our, our periodic guest on the show. Um, he's he was out in St. Louis and he's on his way back home now, or he's back now, but just you know, right from the travel and the weekend, whatever. So it was a whole DSA thing. He looked like he had a good time, so that's good for him. Um, but in saying that, yeah, um, I'm Leroy coming to you from. I'm actually coming to you from my living room today. Down." down here in um, Namland in Melbourne, Australia, just because my wife is trying to put my son Ernie down for a nap. Um, so I'm out here. So if I'm kind of whispering or if I'm like, I'm moving a lot, it's because I'm trying to avoid, you know, all the sound, whatever. But no doubt you'll hear him because he's probably not asleep now. He'll probably come crashing through the, to the, to the living room, like banging things, whatever. So we're replacing, it's, it's, we're replacing Austin with Ernie. Ernie's exactly. going to be the new uh, host. Yeah. Exactly, Austin, you're exactly out. Right. Sorry. Breaking exactly. news. <laughs> Ernesto. Um, but yeah, it is it is what it is. Um, it's our show, so you're just gonna have to put up with it or don't listen to us. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, of course you have our buddy T. T was good, man. Yep, how's it going? How's it going? Good to be here. Obviously, man. Really, really good to be here always. Um we haven't done one of these in a while just because, you know, again, life, but it's good to be be here catching up with you and just shooting the shit, man. Speaking of which, how are things, man? How is the new job? How's life? How's Oh, I mean, honestly, like, I mean, so 
I, you know, my new job is great. Um, my, um, it's a lot better than it was before. I've already talked about this. This became yeah. like my outlet to complain about my job for so long, but, um, I'm doing good on that front. Uh, my partner's really busy with work right now. Um, pretty tough job right now. Yeah. So, tell me about it. <laughs> um, kind of, uh, yeah. Um, we'll leave it at that. Um, but, uh, you know, besides, you know, me personally, like my work life is fine. Um, just trying to, uh, you know, day by day, my man, you know, you know how it is. What right. about yourself, my brother? Yeah, same thing. It's, it's funny because we had a bit of a conversation about my work just before, you know, we, we went on air. Um, the job itself, I mean, work is work. It's it's another shitty retail job, so it is what it is. But like mm-hmm. everyone at work's pretty cool. Like I like everyone that's there. Like I like the, the product. It's, I guess, it's a bit more me um, just because it's a lot of like... Um, american sports type stuff so we have like a big jumbotron there's always an nba game playing and you know how big how much of a massive basketball fan i am we have all this right. other stuff so I'm, I'm i'm around it all the time which is really really dope there's this one guy he's six foot ten he um Whoa. he's a six foot ten he's of um he grew up here but he's um sudanese sudanese background um uh-huh. really really tall dude he was actually committed to lsu and he was on their basketball team for a while um, but then COVID happened. He had to come back home. And um, whenever the state borders open up again, he's going to be playing in the pro league um, here, the NBL, and he's going to be playing up in Cairns in Queensland. So we have a professional basketball player at, at, at work. Super, super funny nice. guy. Just the, 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 the tallest motherfucker I've seen like in person in my life, man. It's super nice guy. Um, but yeah, the actual work is what it is. Like it's cool. The environment's cool. It's just that it's a brand new team. I'm brand new to, you know, to the company it's a brand new location so it feels like it's a constant game of, of catch-up so like we'll, we'll be like there's a, like a manager's chat and like everyone's like oh yeah i've done this and done this and done this but like i haven't even gotten to the opportunity to set myself up to get to that point because like i'm still trying to organize the way the store looks all our back room right. trying to organize all the processes trying to learn it myself trying to find time to you know train the other people while having my hours cut and still expecting to get done and all like you you know how it is um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like, from top down, it's still the same bullshit, but from bottom up, it's 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 pretty enjoyable. Um, but my my garden is flourishing. Really happy with my garden. Um, oh yeah. That's that sort of takes you know the 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 other sides. It kind of takes my mind off it. That's sort of my my therapy there, and that's going great. Um, weather's been kind of shit lately, but it is what it is. It's it's Melbourne, man. Um, but but yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. Everything else, no real complaints, man. No real complaints. All um, right, so yeah. yeah. How about we uh, get into these stories today? Let's get into these stories. Yeah, so we'll probably skip some of the some of some of the headlines that we usually have, so we can just sort of get straight into it. Um, we'll be talking about um, the kind of the elections that have been going on in Latin America um, that are coming up. There's a few pretty big ones coming up. Um, we'll touch on those things. We'll talk about the protests in Cuba, the not protests in Cuba, whatever the fuck's going on there. Um, and then we'll finish off with Puerto Rico because, um, again, we're we've I think we've we thoroughly learned that lesson yeah. to end with Puerto Rico because, again, it's it's been another cartoonish week, fortnight, month in Puerto Rico. You know, disaster capitalism, man. But um, it's, it's, we'll kick... debt, it's debt legislation season, so you know, shit always gets fucking hectic. Exactly right. Exactly, they're back at work, so you know what it is. Um, anyway, <laughs> we'll kick we'll, we'll kick it off with the elections where just recently. Um, the FSLN in Ortega and Nicaragua won in a landslide. It was, what, 70%? Um, and I think it's one of those things that 
usually we're pretty on, on the show we're pretty on top of like elections and debating it and say, oh, what's going to go on this one like I remember messaging Austin, like, yo, do we know anything what's going on in Nicaragua? And he's literally, his, his response was like, yeah, you know that that um, Jeb meme where he wins the entire electoral college? <laughs> it's like, it's going to be pretty much that. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, man. And then lo and behold, it was it was pretty much that. Um, by all accounts, it was pretty straightforward. But of course, because it's Nicaragua, it's, you know, it's Vuvuzela, it's, you know, Cuba, whatever the fuck. It's, you know, the the, the powers of the, of the global capital have come down on 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 the entire process. Yeah. You know, Joe Biden and, uh, the EU of course have, uh, threatened to place, uh, sanctions on Nicaragua, um, on top of the most recent wave of sanctions, which were in 2018. Um, I, you know, it, let's keep it real here. You know, no one was expecting any result besides this. I'm sorry. I'm I, maybe out of the three of us, I'm the, the most, skeptical of like nicaragua for or, uh, or the sandinista government in no, general because you're an anarchist are we talking about this <laughs> right right yeah apparently um according to austin anyway um but i mean anybody who expected any other result is a fucking mark i'm sorry let's just yeah. keep it real here like this it was this was how it's, it was gonna go now we so alba um bolivia venezuela Cuba, you know, Russia, those countries all, you know, recognized the elections in Nicaragua as legitimate and, you know, just the will of the people, the United States, the EU and, you know, the rest of the of our friends in the north, uh, you know, condemned the elections said that they were illegitimate, condemned the uh, uh, tax against on on press freedom and on uh, basically the alleged corruption in the uh electoral institutions for banning the main opposition party uh, from the elections. They, you know, obviously reformed parties in these countries tend to, you know, opposite, you know, party organizations get banned all the time and then reformed under a new name. This is a very common thing in a lot of countries, especially those with a, shall we say, um, powerful ruling party. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, again, this is unexpected. I think what what is more, you know, what the importance of the story, you know, outside of the, you know, domestic situation in country is just the United States attempting to, you know, exert its influence. Um, Nicaragua is famously a, you know, anti-American, anti-global North uh, power. Um, it pro, is pro Puerto Rico as well. That's true. That's true. Got it. I will always respect, uh, Danny Ortega for that. He's always been a a stalwart defender of Puerto Rican independence, even when it was, you know, really, really underground because of repression. Um, So I will respect, I absolutely respect him for that. But I mean, come on, like, come on. (laughs) (laughs) I got you. I got you. Yeah. um, I I think the reference there to the Puerto Rico thing is at, um, I think is one of the album meetings or the SELAC meetings. Um, Ortega yielded his time to Ruben Berrios, who's like the elder st- statesman of the of the people of the Puerto Rican Independence Party, and he gave his speech and everything. And I think a couple of years ago, um, Ortega made Ruben Berrios like his official advisor to like the de- colonial matters or something. Um, so there's a, quite a tight relationship there. Um, so, We'll, we'll, we'll see what comes of it. And um, an- another Puerto Rican link. Remember, like one of our biggest, you know, you know, national sporting heroes is Roberto Clemente, right? The baseball, the Afro Puerto Rican baseball player from like the sixties and seventies. 
um, one of our biggest heroes, one of our national like uh, cult, like sporting coliseum in Puerto Rico is like named after him. He actually died under mysterious circumstances on a plane crash delivering like goods and aid to Nicaragua after an earthquake in the seventies. Um, right. One of the conspiracy theories that I happen to believe is that it was the Somoza <laughs> government and ten of the CIA, like you know, had a mark on him and and and, and made it happen because obviously this flew in the face of the Somoza dictatorship there, who is backed by the U.S. Um, yada yada yada. You know how it is as well. Um, but yeah, so victory for the FSLN in in Nicaragua. There's also the elections coming up in Honduras. I'm sure when Austin is back on, he'll have a lot more to say about that. But there's also the election in Chile. Now, Chile has been really interesting because obviously we were kind of high on um, on, on Haldway, but he didn't get the primary and then Boric kind right. of got it. And we were sort of backing him because he's like, you know, the leader of the Communist Party. He, you know, he was polling really, really well. And then seemingly out of nowhere, um, a guy by the name of Kast, who was a literal right-wing fascist, Pinochetist, like guy it's like taking over um he's, he, which he's is, a german he's he has a german last name and he's in latin america let's yeah, all right yeah. that that first off <laughs> yeah and like we always talk about like use the word fascist or right wing as sort of a you know the in the abstract but but this man is literal like literally a being chess supporter which is Really interesting, considering you know when you when you juxtapose it to the fact that they're tearing up the Pinochet Constitution, right? And now this guy is leading in the polls, and like it's it's almost insurmountable now. Like I think if you look at the actual polls, it's only like maybe three or four five percent lead, but like in the world of like elections, that's a fairly big margin. Um, so looking 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 kind of scary. I it's weird though because you know Chile right now is going through a a constitutional convention, right? So uh, earlier this year, delegates had been elected, and it, it was the left was in a strong majority position in the in the constitutional convention. They got a majority of delegates. Um, so the so while a left wing Congress effectively is writing the new constitution of Chile electorally, it seems that the right wing is could very well take the presidency. So. We are going to see a very, very interesting dynamic if if Cast becomes president, and if the right wing beat the left wing coalition, which again, um, that left coalition is is a broad one, um, but it is very much. <clears throat> I would def I wouldn't call it a far left group, but definitely a, le- a left a center left coalition left coalition. Um, the strangest scenario. I mean, it's it's impossible to say what will happen. You know it. You know, how far is cast willing to go to preserve reaction in Chile? Again, this is Chile we're talking about, right? Yeah. This is not a country. You know, the last time Chile had a left-wing president was Allende. It's been that long. Like, so I, I suppose, you know, I mean, anything could happen, obviously, but it would. It's it's setting things up a very odd sort of dynamic there. Yeah, it's really interesting as well. And I think it was um, Matt Kay, friend of the show, Matt Kay, um, in our Discord community, which if you want to be a part of, you know, go head over to our Patreon and um, subscribe. He had a really pretty interesting perspective in the in the chat. I think he was saying something like everyone in Chile was coming up against Piñera because everyone knows he's, he's corrupt, he's been a bad leader, this and that, whatever. And there's been an impeachment proceedings 
and that there was like one senator who was like at home in COVID isolation, but still came, you know, to Congress to vote, you know, for impeachment, whatever. But that this is now created with the with the emergence of caste is sort of um, creating that situation where the right wing and the forces of reaction are using him because you, they can't back Piñera or anyone that Piñera picks because he's he's representative of, you know of corruption. He's this you know you know uh, bureaucratic sort of um, establishment sort of you know conservative whatever. But Cast over here, you know, he's he's popular. He's he's of the people. Like Cast is sort of representing that sort of populist, that typical Latin American right wing populist that is sort of giving those reactionaries in Chile sort of sort of an out. Because I think for a while they were probably scrambling because you know, being they couldn't back Pinera or anyone that Pinera backed up, which which I think is why Boris was so popular. Not that the reactionaries were backing Boris, but just because they were just sort of more apathetic to the situation but now Cass is there now they have their, their now they have their horse in the game which is why he's he's been really popular i think um next uh next episode will definitely um go a little bit in depth on on Cass, do a little bit of a deeper dive into his background and you know what has formed him ideologically and uh, personally, um, because he is definitely representative of a very powerful current that has existed in Latin America for a long time. So uh, that'll be interesting, I think, there. Um, I guess uh, uh, another election um, was in Argentina. Yeah, Uh, I was going to say. legislative election in Argentina yesterday um, or, uh, it was held on November 14th <clears throat> and the ruling center left party, um, lost the legislative elections to the right wing, um, mainly due to the fact that, uh, basically popular civil society blames, uh, it's over the, the plague, the civil society, uh, blames the ruling party uh, for uh, you know play for plague issues in in Argentina. They haven't handled the the pandemic too well. That has affected you know that's a story happening everywhere. You know it just if you're the party in power um, when the plague hit, you're going to get blamed for the mistakes, uh, whether rightly or wrongly. Um, this is not to say that um, they. Uh, this is not to say that they were um, handling it well. Um, again, they lost pretty badly in the legislative elections. Yeah, it's almost an erasure of like the of the last election because the last election they freaking almost won the entire thing. Like it was it was a pretty pretty good route. Whereas this time it was a complete opposite. Of, if you look at the maps um, side to side, it's almost a complete reversal of the of the sort of the electoral areas that um each party won. Um, but yeah, I was gonna bring that up because that's that's kind of concerning and like you say like it's has to do with the play and everything a lot of people who vote a lot of more apolitical voters tend to have shorter memories which i think is really paints the picture really exercise the need for political education right like people are going to respond to their immediate material conditions they understand like the effects that um the plague has had on them so they're going to vote accordingly if we had those political education sort of mechanisms in place they would be able to better contextualize the, the entire thing. You know what I mean? That, like, like you said, like um, the the ruling party now 
probably hasn't handled it as best as I could, but as a whole, it would have been a much better situation than Macri and his sort of right wing group. Um, but anyway, um, that's that. And again, Honduras, Honduras is looking pretty interesting as well. Um, uh, Siomara had a a few rallies the other day or like recently that have been really, really full, really enthusiastic. Like she looks like she's surging. Um, but like, like we say, it's, it's fucking Honduras, man. Like this is, and I think I made the point last time that like the, the benefit that like the powers of capital and the reactionaries have in, in a, in a place like Honduras is the fact that no one gives a shit about Honduras. You know what I mean? We know that like she's surging she's doing really well there because we keep track of this stuff. Most people outside don't. So if there's fuckery afoot, no one's going to find out, and the you know global capital is going to get its its way. She has the momentum now, from what we can tell. Um, but you know, it, it, again, remember the last time. Yeah. Um, That's what I'm this, saying. Yeah. You know, you know, from what I understand, there are a lot of people who had been organizers before who are who became very disillusioned um, by the chances of any kind of progress on that front. Um, so it is very interesting to see that, you know, despite the repression, despite, you know, repeated um, corrupted elections, um, they still are managing, you know, they have the momentum now. So, I mean, <clears throat> it's one of those things where basically what has to happen um, is you need to, have such an overwhelming majority that you that you uh, are able to beat back any kind of like voter suppression, yeah. you know, corrupted practices. We saw that in Bolivia, um, where it was you know you know the coup government tried to hold elections to legitimate legitimate their their rule in the eyes of the world and in the eyes of their own population, and still, MAS because they had the organization and the numbers were able to overcome any kind of fuckery they attempted to do that's exactly right that's the only way you can really beat it frankly is you need to have a, a solid you know just a super victory it's true it's becoming true in the united states too as well uh with gerrymandering you know there are states now like you know north carolina and wisconsin you know especially come to mind where if the Democrats ever wanted to have a majority of the congressional delegations in those states, they would have to get like just well over 60% of the popular vote, like spread out across the state. Um, whereas the Republicans don't need, don't even need to get a majority of the popular vote uh, to get a majority of the congressional delegation. So sorry, but why, sorry, why would the Democrats campaign in Wisconsin though? I don't know. Why would they campaign in Wisconsin? <laughs> it was only like a liberal state for fucking decades. I mean, it's like West Virginia. Fuck. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, man, you're 100% right. And just quickly, I'm um, going back to what you said about Bolivia and the power of mass. Like, I don't know if you, if you saw this, but all the fuckery going down in Bolivia. So, like, those right wing fascist sort of um, civic committees and civic groups have been really agit or quote, like, I'm doing like quote, you know, here, agitating. Um, in the streets against mass and then the corruption of mass, whatever they're, they're doing blockades or whatever. But like a lot of the times, like no one's really showing up. Um, but everyone in mass and the people who support mass have been coming out in the streets and supporting mass and, and have been, you know, pushing back against, you know, these right wing forces. Like I think just this morning or yesterday, depending where you are, 
um, they were they actually went to like in front of like I think the Supreme Court to demand like charges be brought against Fernando Camacho, who's like the fucking piece of shit Guaido looking motherfucker, you know, the 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 asshole looking guy, for basically inciting a potential you know coup because that's what he's been trying to do. Um, we'll see what happens, but again, like like anything, believe is always a place place to to watch. Um, but yeah, man, look, we'll. We'll keep an eye on Honduras. We'll have to keep an eye on Chile. We'll have to keep an eye on, on everything that's going on with the elections. Because just like elections, you know, we've had, you know, the last couple of months, we've had highs with these elections and we have lows with these elections. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, definitely going to go do another, you know, round robin on elections down in the region. I mean, it's there's always something going on on that front. So, you know, probably make it a much more regular thing where we go, uh, you know, kind of go around the region. Yeah. Um, yeah, one hundred percent. And again, like I think we we were joking. Like that's Austin. That's Austin's sort of strong suit. So when he's that's back, true. I'm sure we'll have a proper proper discussion about that. But we'll keep the ball rolling here. We'll talk about Cuba. So for the last few weeks now, you know, the U.S. State Department, the CIA, everyone in the U.S. has <laughs> has been announcing, you know, loud and proud about, you know, the people of Cuba are going to come together and protest against, you know, tyranny, authoritarianism on November fifteenth, and blah 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 blah. And everyone's like, we 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 can see what this is. Like the fact that like the State Department is announcing it, we know what this means. And look, don't get me wrong. And we talked about it before. And we had Andres on the show who eloquently talked about everything. There are there are genuine concerns. You know, when people have general genuine grievances, it's it's fine to disagree. It's you know they're gonna there's issue. People are gonna have genuine issues with like the situation in Cuba, with you know the you know the power structure, the bureaucracy, whatever. I get it. But when, like, the U.S. State Department is loudly talking about human rights abuses and shit, like, we, we know exactly what it is. And by all accounts, nothing really eventuated today or yesterday, whenever the fuck November 15th was, because it's November 16th here already. I think it's November 15th there. From what I can see, nothing really came of it. You know what I mean? Like... Some people came on the streets, but there wasn't really a big backing. Like a lot of the neighborhoods were quiet. Um, a lot of the people who were managing like the Facebook groups who organized it in Cuba, nothing really happened, which is weird because how can an authoritarian dictatorship allow <laughs> Facebook? And you know what I mean? Um, it's it's the contradiction, man. I don't know. So yeah, I mean, so this comes about you know a few months uh, from the sporadic protests in Cuba. Uh, you know, this past summer, uh, the, you know, the kind of the start of all this. Um, but it, it seems like you said to largely have been a bust. Um, there does appear to be far fewer numbers than, you know, from the events of the summer. Um, the, the, that opposition Facebook, uh, group you're talking about, uh, is called Archipelago. Yes, um, yes, that's what uh, yeah, they are, uh, they have, uh, members from in the group, uh, based in Cuba itself. And of course the United States, um, notably Miami surprise, surprise. Um, but the majority seems to, you know, giving the benefit of the doubt, the majority of the uh, opposition seems to be island-based. Um, however, uh, you know, these demonstrations were called to coincide with Cuba's reopening of its borders and its schools. That's right. Uh, which they had closed uh, due to the plague. Uh, it was These demonstrations were largely promoted online, uh, you know, by members in Cuba and in Miami. And the leader of the group, had intended to start marching alone with a white rose, uh, but he was prevented by 
you know, from doing that uh, by counter protesters who held a small rally of government supporters who uh, held a small rally of their own in front of his house, uh, basically kind of uh, left him confined, confined in there. Yeah, I saw that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's important to remember, you know, Cuba for a few years now, and especially with the plague, um, is very much in a transitional period. Um, as the past, as the 20th century continues to recede and Diaz-Canal continues to try to define, you know, what is going to be Cuba in the 21st century, a majority of Cubans, um, you know, whether critical or not, don't appear to be interested in very much in overthrowing the party necessarily. Uh, but, you know, and, you know, like in a few other one party states, um, they do, what they want is efficient and effective services. They want, um, you know, good pay. They want, you know, they want the same things as everybody else, um, whether or not you're, you know, whatever the flag that the government flies, uh, people tend to want a lot of the same basic necessities. And that's true in Cuba as well. Um, now, you know, with the amount of misinformation and propaganda uh, that um, that exists, I mean, it's it's kind of difficult to gauge exactly what is going on, um, because, again, this is kind of a live story. Uh, there were events happening or, you know, planned events on Sunday, Monday, sure, probably tomorrow, you know, probably Tuesday as well, Wednesday, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but, uh, you know, according to some reports of people in Havana, um, they had a planned protest, you know, a, a pot banging protest. Um, the, uh, I, I'm blanking out on the name of, of what they're called. It's a very common thing down there. Um, that's right. That's right. There was a planned, um, it was planned for eight o'clock on Monday night, but nothing materialized. Apparently in Havana, there wasn't much sound in a lot of the, you know, neighborhoods where you would have expected or maybe assumed it would have come about. Um, there was another one planned for Tuesday or for for Monday evening um, at 8 p.m. as well. Um, again, doesn't seem to be much going on there. Uh, there was heavy promotion, obviously, by, you know, the West, of course. Um, now, it's important. And, you know, this is, you know, to cite back to our interview with Andres, um, you know, it, it's important to recognize that, again, you know, People have beef, you know, people can have beef with the government and with the party and not want to overthrow uh, the government. You know, they don't want to, they're not necessarily reactionaries. Um, they're not necessarily, um, you know, the extreme right wingers. Now to deny that that element exists in any kind of opposition to Cuba is is bullshit. It's, it's frankly foolish. Yeah. I mean, there there are rabid reactionaries involved in this opposition movement have been for decades, murderous um, and violent and destructive, backed by the United States. Um, so I think this is, I mean, this is a definite blow to any attempted regime change in Cuba, whether it was, whether it's, you know, a quote unquote, you know, uh, from the West or, you know, a popular uh, opposition from below. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't expect much from this story from here, you know, moving forward to be perfectly honest. Yeah. A hundred percent. And like a couple of things, but first, did you see, um, I think her name's Paula Ramos, Jorge Ramos' daughter for Vice doing <sighs> that thing. So if, if you're not familiar with what I'm, if you're not you know, familiar with what I'm talking about, uh, Paula Ramos, she's the daughter of this sort of like one of the biggest Spanish language journalist. He was an Univision. Like we all grew up watching him. He's 
he portrays himself as a sort of hard hitting, getting to the truth type of journalist. He was an anchor on like <laughs> when he was on news for a while, then he became like a, you know, really, you know, in-depth reporter. He's the guy who sat down with Nicolas Maduro and was trying to challenge him. Then Maduro turned around and was like, Jorge, you're not a journalist. You know this? Like that's the, the meme, the meme came out of that. And like his daughter now works for Vice. Previously of to that. Course. Previously to that, she worked in the Obama administration, then worked in the, on, in the Hillary campaign. But the clip that Vice um, put out, it was it was sort of an expose that she was trying to do about like the you know repression and totalitarianism and authoritarianism in Cuba, whatever. And she's walking around talking, well, yeah, I'm, I'm here undercover and blah blah blah. And she's walking out in like broad daylight with cameras, people walking by her. You're like, you know what I mean, like. At one point, like she's not wearing a mask, and like a cop tells her to put on a mask, and she's like, "Oh, like you see how the cops are?" And it's like, this is this is a law everywhere on the fucking planet. You know what I mean? It was a big, excuse the expression. It was a big fucking you know imperial imperialism for hipsters circle jerk because that's what fucking vice is. It's fucking vice, man. It's fucking vice. They you know fuck vice. All my homies hate vice. Let's not forget that fucking Gavin McGinnis. The fucking founder of the yeah. Proud Boys was one of the founders of Vice. Like, yeah, Vice. God, yeah, Vice is one of those things where it's 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 a great example. You know, I don't know. Fuck Vice. I, I have yeah. no more. I have nothing to say about that. They, yeah, there are some there's some good writers who have written for Vice. Yes, I'm not going to deny it. Yes, yes. Okay, fine. But overall, fucking net uh, negative. Fuck you, Vice. I'm sorry. Don't like you. It's it's for liberals who think they're like philosophically eloquent when they're not. Like if they're the ones that did the, the Cantwell fucking expose as yeah, well, right? They, they the, had a journalist embedded and you know, all and just it was just a fucking like they they have a wonderful habit of like shacking up with reactionaries in different war zones across the country yeah. or not country across the world and to make them look really kind of like kind of cool and intimidating because again if there's that liberals are like just they have a kind of weird libidinous fascination with fascism like they're they're yeah. it excites them yeah. in a way you know it, exactly. it fucking tickles their fancies because it looks um, cool nazi uniforms yeah, look fucking yeah. cool you know what i mean oh, fuck them. i don't give a shit they're so stupid yeah anyway fuck i just wanted to bring that up but um one thing i want to ask <laughs> one thing i wanted to ask you personally i know in the past you've spoken like we spoke in the chat or whatever privately about how i think it's specifically in reference to venezuela how the sort of the 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 vibe you're getting off of Venezuela, and I think you've mentioned the Cuba as well, is sort of this like late stage Soviet idea. Like there's this, it's being bogged down by the bureaucracy. People are really kind of you know whatever blase and like is like am, am I correct? Were you did you apply that to Cuba as well, or like what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, so it, it's a, it's an interesting question. Um, I, you know, that was in relation specifically with Venezuela. There was, yeah. you know, discussion about, you know, w- you know, where does the Bolivarian Revolution go on um, in, in, you know, in 2021 or at the time of writing um, 2020 or whatever, whatever it may be. Um, with, well, with Cuba, it's pretty obvious the direction that the government wants to take it and it wants to take it into a Chinese direction. They saw what happened, you know, over the last few, you know, they saw what happened to the Soviet Union and they saw what happened to China. They saw that in the Soviet Union, the Communist Party was essentially, you know, uh, cut up into pieces, as was the Union itself. China, however, managed to transition into a uh, 
you know, basically integrate itself into the into the market system. Cuba wants that. Um, I mean, that's one of the reasons why the sanctions are so deadly is because it does it, it isolates Cuba from the global markets, um, the global system itself. Um, do I think Cuba is going to go into an explicitly capitalistic direction um, like China has? I don't think so. Um, they have already made moves, uh, like kind of small scale moves. I, it, I would hesitate to call it privatization. That word is far too strong yeah. uh, to describe what's been going on in Cuba the last few years, at least under Diaz-Canal. Liberalization, um, maybe? May, might be a better word, uh, kind of? Yeah, I mean, liberalization might be a better word for it. Um Again, it's, you know, it's not, it's not like, like there's no, uh, there's no billionaires in Cuba. You know what I mean? It's not, that's not happening. Um, Again, is it possible that they, you know, some of the party leadership wants to go into an explicitly Chinese direction? I mean, who knows? It's possible. Um, The, the struggle that Cuba is experiencing right now is the fact that, you know, with the sanctions and being cut off from markets and the weak, you know, for at least the last few years, the weakness of the left, especially, you know, in the wider region, uh, the difficulties of, uh, you know, the crashing oil prices obviously affecting Venezuela, which in many respects was helping, you know, was a very strong trading partner with Cuba in a number of ways. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, it's hard to say. I, I think, you know, if if recent steps or, or any indication of the future, I mean, we'll see just again a slower, slower, I guess, liberalization. Um, I don't think that you're going to get kind of a liberal bourgeois d- democratic system in Cuba anytime soon. Um, I think they're going to kind of try to hew to the Chinese model where, you know, there is the system, you know, there is the government itself. The party is a, you know, parastate uh you know, social institution, um, you know, you don't necessarily have to be a part, member of the party, not every member of the party to be in politics in Cuba or to be yeah. involved in your community in Cuba, but it sure does help. Um, yeah. So it's, it's hard to say. Um, I think, you know, Cuba is has been one of the shining examples in a lot of ways uh, for decades now. Um, in, in some ways, they're, you know, they're one of those parts of the world that have really kind of like showed us, you know, the the possibilities um, that could come from a, a more socially conscious, a more um, sort of collectively oriented society. Is it perfect? No. Um, is it, uh, is there, you know, qual- uh, policies, is there practices, is there structures worth criticizing? Yes. Um, I think, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, the, you know, our relation to Cuba, at least, you know, speaking as Americans, United States based Americans or Puerto Ricans or what have you is just, you know, the, to end the sanctions, man, you know, I, I think that's the only real, like that, you know, I think that you want to support Cuba, you want to support either the, uh, government of Cuba or the opposition in Cuba, oppose the sanctions, oppose the sanctions. You, you either one or the other, if you're inspired by the Cuban revolution or if you want Cuba to move in some other di- direction politically, neither of those is possible while the sanctions are taking place. What happens is a kind of cruel uh, stasis, a cruel uh, uh, status quo that kind of freezes things in place um, for good and for ill. 100%. And like, it's like I always say, like, this it was the Castro's is communism that destroyed Cuba. Fine. Cool. 
and the blockade. Let right. let it fall on its own. Let it collapse on its own. Right. Let it fail yeah. on its own. Exactly. <laughs> like if it's the system, let's get all the American influence out and just let's let's, let's watch it collapse. But you won't do that because yeah. you're fuck, they're fucking scared, and and they and they know this. Right. But you, but you know what I find funny as well, like all this concern for human rights, you know, we talked about um, the Ramos daughter being in Cuba, you know, bringing light to the dysfunction, the protests in Cuba, whatever. But it's really funny how there's another island, just, you know, a couple of islands over to the east where they've been in nonstop protests for the last however many days, many, however many weeks, like people in the streets, people starving, you know, entire systems collapsing. But I guess, you know, Jorge Ramos hasn't noticed, so it shouldn't be a big deal. You know what I mean? Um, it's a little island you might know called Puerto Rico. Oh, shit. Yeah, that, that, that one, that one. Oh, anyway, that one, yeah. yeah. Um, like I said at the top, it's been another fucking cartoonishly just Looney Tunes fucking week, whatever. Like we we mentioned a while back, like the president of Luma, who's like, the you know, Luma's the the... The energy company has been brought in to privatize the entire thing. Who's been inefficient? Who you know? It, it was the the arbiter of disaster capitalism. There, you know, if, if it was in one company, it was that at the moment. There's, there's a bunch, but like that's like the main character at the moment. Um, he was asked to present, you know, talk about you know his salary and the salary of you know his employees. He refused to do that. He refused to give documents. A judge issued a warrant for his arrest if he didn't come and like, you know, testify or you know bring these documents. So then like he dipped. And like there's this man hunting for him, and eventually they found him, and eventually they gave up the documents and whatever. It was it was a fucking clown show, man. And while you have this, you have all the students at the University of Puerto Rico on strike and boycotting, you know, their their classes. You have it's 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 a comedy of errors. It's a fucking, you know, you know, we hate Monty Python on this show, but like it's a fucking Monty Python skit. You know what I mean? Like it it was it's it it was it's a clown show. It's, I mean, because you know what it is? It's fucking debt bill time. It's debt legislation time. It's La Junta doing fuckery in Puerto Rico time. So it's that annual season. So, you know, this is something that we go through every fucking year. It's like, it's like fucking status arguments. It's this, it's again, it's just, it's, nearly- it's every, it's every fucking episode we do, man. Like, you know what I mean? Well, thing, like for this fucking, for the fucking islands. So, you know, now that that latest disaster capitalism legislation passed, um, you know, demonstrations and clownery are rolling through the islands. Um, you know, a little bit of context, but it's going like lately. So in early November, you know, again, the bill is passed. Um, the police go on strike, but, you know, who care? Moving on. Um, on November 4th, though, uh, UPR students did go on strike um, amid occupations and protests at several schools and campuses over the continued austerity. Um, now, again, unlike many U.S. campuses, uh, UPR and other camp and, and, you know, other schools there have kind of retained a very, uh, you know, that kind of traditional militancy of students in colleges. You know, this is much more common uh, around the world, not just... And it's not just the global South, like Europe as well, um, Japan, like all over students tend to be like really, really like militant and in, a, in, in kind of like extreme ways. Um, and UPR is no different. It's very, you know, the United States universities are kind of unique in their um, in their I don't know what the word is. I don't want to say docility because there's a lot of heavy duty student organizing in 
in U.S. campuses as well, but it is of a different character. It's it's yeah. much closer to um, how U.S. campuses were in the '70s, uh, for example. Yeah. Um, some really hardcore uh, building occupations and stuff like that, which have been going on on the on the islands. Um, Sorry, just quickly, let me jump in here. A lot of the carpet, you know, we talk about the carpeteos a lot when the FBI and the CIA, or whatever, right. Jacob Hoover had the the files on like supposed communists and socialists and independences. A good chunk of them were students at the University of Puerto Rico because yep. it's it's an assumption that students at the University of Puerto Rico are going to have these sort of sympathies. So if if a student, and this is going back like the 50s, 60s, and 70s, if they so much as like took a flyer of like some sort of left-leaning like um, organization, there was a file there. So anyway, sorry for interrupting. And no, no, you're good. And there, I mean, there's a radical egalitarianism. There's a radical uh, democratic commitment with UPR. I mean, they've had uh, general assemblies, workable, efficient, functioning, consensus-based general assemblies in in UPR of like five thousand people. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I mean, I can't, I cannot fucking fathom and organized, I, organized like this. Like I remember, yeah. even for even for these strikes, like they 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 um they called a uh, an assembly. It's like, all right, everyone's gonna get together. We're gonna vote on this. We vote for you know strike, and it was on the drop of a hat. It was the first. It was the first meeting of the student councils uh, and the student unions of this session. This was literally their first act. Their first act was to say, "Fuck this, uh, we're not doing this." And again, this is in protest of the latest round of austerity cuts and budget cuts, of which you know UPR is no different. Um, they um, now, of course, this has led to a you know bit of nasty uh, politicking by both uh, the dean of the school as well as Pierluisi, both threatening the accreditation uh, of UPR, which is just would be, I mean, what's worse? Like, it's suicide. Shooting yourself in the fucking dick or something, shooting yourself in the fucking like foot or something, shooting your giving yourself a new asshole or something that would be the stupidest fucking decision they could possibly do but again intimidation tactics um i don't think again the students do not give a fuck they never have um they do not care about uh the government uh in san juan they do not give a fuck about the teen like they're you know god bless them all the solidarity and love in the world um, to those militant students down there um now again this is you know remember whole departments and schools have already actually lost accreditation due to closures but it's not from strikes it's the austerity cuts that have been imposed by successive governments and now la junta as well um so you know speaking of again and this is the context the context is the debt legislation bills the restructuring this constant you know wall street attack of the islands so in the latest installment of the puerto rican energy debacle like you said leroy a San Juan (laughs) judge issued an arrest warrant for the ceo of luma energy wayne stensby um so yeah exactly yeah after months of refusing to hand over documents related to the inner workings of the Canadian American consortium, let me repeat myself, Canadian American consortium, um, he was finally held in contempt of court. Um, it didn't last long because they suspend the judge suspended uh, the warrant almost immediately um, because uh, you know out of after emergency negotiations with his lawyers. Um, a couple of days later, they did release the, the documents. Now, something to remember is these are hundreds of pages of documents. Um, and then, uh, finally, I believe it was Monday morning, 
the House of Representatives in Puerto Rico and Luma's lawyers uh, filed a motion to have the warrant nullified completely because the House of Representatives politicians in the legislature are are declaring that um, this is uh, Luma is finally compliant with the request by the court to release the documents. Now, again, they are releasing these publicly like kind of piecemeal, like little by little. But one thing that has come about is the kind of like basically the exorbitant pay rate scales of the executives of Luma Energy. Um, again, this is in a time of utter fucking dysfunction from Luma and the entire grid. As the grid continues to degrade. And, and let me add, and complete fucking destitution of the people in Puerto Rico. You know what I mean? That's right. Let's keep that That's in right. mind. That's right, exactly. And yet these people are getting, you know, in the upper six figures. And it's not just Stensby himself. It's um, a whole, basically their entire executive leadership class. Luma Energy has been working hand in glove with La Junta. So apparently, you know, the La Junta and uh, U.S. business interests were demanding that public pensions were 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 cut in these latest round of uh uh, debt talks. They demand that, oh, you know, we're going to have to cut services with the energy grid. Meanwhile, again, we've seen this story, the executives get richer and richer and richer. It is pure disaster capitalism. Yeah, 100%. And if I'm not mistaken, um, you might have something in your notes. The junta basically is, keeps threatening Congress, saying that like, we want to do this to the law, but if not, we're going to have to like basically disregard all these laws in place for this to happen, right? And it's the same rhetoric, it's the same fucking language these people always use that, look, we, in order to save the pensions, in order to save the university, in order right. to save this, you know what I mean? Like, it's that fucking bullshit. And so the conservative powers, the you know, the, the, the PMP, the pro-statehood party, and even the PPD, the fucking stupid ass like status quo party, our point that goes, oh, look, let them do their job and, and and they'll leave. You know, you know, crumbs are better than nothing at all. And like, like have some fucking self-respect, man. So some people, you know, some politicians are already alleging that the documents are going to tell us that uh, it's going to name, there'll be named names of members yeah. of the legislature who, who have close working relationships with Luma Energy, um, which will certainly be very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, as far as I know, there's only one document that will be redacted, so we will eventually get all of this shit. Now, what kind of impact it's going to have, who knows? Um, now, let's keep in mind, of course, that it was just, you know, it was leaked group chats, which ignited uh, the demonstrations against um, Ricky Rosseo. But this is something deeper than that, than just, you know, uh, Rosseo, the man in his administration. This is going into the kind of just this the slowly privatized slowly degraded puerto rican economy which is being changed and restructured purely for the benefit of interests outside of the islands um you know you can look you can see you know the students on their social media for example have been posting pictures of just the con the deteriorating conditions on a university campus right yeah, this is supposed to be the flagship academic institution on the islands right doesn't matter um, successive governments have cut, cut, cut. Uh, it's not just students that go on strike. Teachers unions in Puerto Rico routinely go on, on strikes uh, against the government, both at the university level, at the high school and grade school level. Um, and again, it's, 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 it's part of this, this debt restructuring bill that was just passed. Now, 
the, the junta didn't get everything they wanted in the bill which is why they're basically threatening to you know further <laughs> expose the just the the fucking farce that is democracy on the islands you know this this notion that puerto ricans have a democracy have a say in their you know affairs whether it's you know especially when yeah. it relates to the economy is yeah. a fucking it's a fucking farce man like yeah. la junta is the government of puerto rico now and they're basically they're threatening to say okay you know what we don't, we're, we're gonna ignore the fictions now we don't care we're actually yeah. gonna just yeah. straight up yeah. and go yeah. for direct rule yeah that's exactly that's exactly what i was gonna say that like as bad as it sounds like they were almost like doing Puerto Ricans a favor by allowing the farce to continue by by saying like, oh yeah, you know, pass a law and, you know, we'll just do whatever the law does, whatever. When they could have from the beginning just done whatever. It was all a farce, but like it's it's over. It's over now. So even like obviously you have you have your section of people who realize what the junta is and it's like this dictatorial thing. And there's others who are like kind of like, yeah, they're here, they're unelected, blah, blah, blah. They're gonna do whatever they want. But now that they're actually doing whatever they want, it's like, oh Oh, like oh, oh shit! Like now they're clutching their pearls. You know what I mean? And you still have the freaking U.S. bootlicking, you know, fucking comprador class who are still trying to paint this as a, as a good thing, as like you know, let, let them just do what they need to do, and then you know, it'll be it'll be done. Because like you said, the people in that comprador class, they all fucking live in Virginia. They live in your neck of the woods. You know what I mean? They know they're yeah. going to be fine. They're going to take their millions. They're going to get their you know bacon off the top and. And fucking dip. They have no plans in being Puerto Rico. It's like in the group chats you talk about, like one of the big things that came out that, that was in that is they were joking about, you know, having a Puerto Rico without Puerto Ricans, which is the fucking plan. You know what I mean? Yep. That's the goal. And, you know, let's, you know, don't, and, you know, and also let's keep in mind, yeah, let's keep in mind also that um, the Luma Energy is a Canadian American company. They didn't sell. They didn't. They didn't even sell the grid to like a Puerto Rican company. It, would have, it was bad enough that they privatized it. But again, privatizing it is the capitalist imperative. Selling it to a Canadian American company is the imperialist imperative. That's that's the mechanisms for how they work. That's the, the you know the dual level control that's exerted on the islands. You know, it's yeah. basically a coalition of Wall Street uh, hedge fund vultures. Um, and political emissaries from the United States government who are, again, they're building, they're, they're changing and restructuring the islands to be a Puerto Rico without Puerto Ricans. Because that is the goal. They want, you know, the only, the only Puerto Ricans they want on the islands are working their fucking resorts. That's exactly all. That's what that, they want. Exactly they want Puerto that. Ricans working their resorts and that's it. That's, I mean, it's, and it's sort of a cliche now, but like, I, I, People always invoke that image of like they want Puerto Rico to be a pre-revolution Cuba. Like basically it's just a bunch of gringos, a bunch of Americans, a bunch of Europeans in casinos and hotels, sipping martinis and pina coladas by a pool while you have like a like a, a native there. And like it might not be as, you know, a caricature like that, but that's sort of the goal. The that sort of concept, that idea is the end goal. And it's not like and uh, like, uh, not to they, sound like they I mean, want to make it the Dubai of uh, the Caribbean. Exactly right. Exactly right. And and I don't want to say, and I don't want to seem like I'm giving the benefit of the doubt. I don't think like Pierre Luisi is militia because oh, I want Puerto Ricans to be subservient to Americans, but he definitely wants to maintain a certain level of like the the power structure. You know what I mean? He doesn't necessarily want Puerto Ricans to be you know barefoot subservient to Americans, but. 
who else is going to serve these Americans when they come down? You know what I mean? I think he just generally. I don't. I don't think. I think he generally doesn't give a fuck. Truly, like I don't think he 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 cares at all about whether or not um, Puerto Ricans are, are are poor or not. And again, you know, bringing it full circle to the beginning of the show, you know, it, it Pierre Luisi is just the latest face, man. He's just the latest face. Pierre Luisi, Joe Biden, Donald Trump, Ricky Rosseo. These are just faces. These are faces on systems. These are these are the latest, you know, masks that the you know fucking the the beasts uh, that control, you know, that are the system. Um, this is this is just their latest face, you know. In four years, it'll be a different face um, in in Washington D.C. and in San Juan. So uh, it, it really, at the end of the day, fundamentally doesn't fucking matter who's in office. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, basically we need to overthrow the entire fucking social order in Puerto Rico. Because again, bring it back to the top of the show, because we're up against a system. You know what I mean? It doesn't That's matter right. if Jose, it doesn't matter if Pilwisi's there, it doesn't matter, matter, matter if the Republicans or the Democrats are in power. We have, it's, it's about fighting against the system. Anyway, we'll leave it there. Again, all eyes on Puerto Rico as usual, because I'm sure this will be dated and some other clown show shit will happen tomorrow. Keep an eye on what's going on in Cuba and keep an eye, especially on all the elections going on in Latin America, because strange shit's afoot. Um, hopefully next week we'll have Austin back and he'll probably be able to give us more clarity um, in some of those election things, especially Honduras, because Honduras, I think the election might be like this week, I think, or like really, really, really soon. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll see how we go. Um, but yeah, with that said, you know, again, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for, you know, again, our... Uh, it's it's a running theme here that our sketch is going to be all over the place just because of fucking life, whatever. So thank you to everyone who's been keeping up with us, who like you know continues to listen to the show and support us, and whatever. Shout out to the Discord community for being the real ones. And again, if you want to join the Discord community, if you want um, access to the book club, the book clubs are always fun. I honestly haven't had a chance to go to many just because of my schedule. Um, but it's a lot. It's a lot of fun. Like a lot of really smart always people. A blast. So, always a blast. A lot of really smart and um, really curious people in those groups. So it's always um good thing to be a part of um but yeah just head over to our patreon patreon.com slash if you want access to those things and subscribe help us um bring attention to all the things that we've been talking about um and bring me one step closer to be a stay-at-home dad slash gardener um <laughs> uh, but yeah anyway we at the bottom of our hearts we just appreciate you guys tuning in so and everyone else out there tuning in um but with that said um catch you later thanks for tuning in and hasta la victoria later y'all